Hey, everybody. Welcome to the No Pants Required podcast. I'm your host, Jen Mann, and today I'm wearing a skort. You know, it's like the mullet of the clothing world. Party in the back. How do you say business in the front, party in the back? Isn't that what you say? It's pretty much how a skort is, I think. Looks like a skirt from the front, and then you turn around, kapow, it's shorts. Be amazed. Plus, it always has pockets, almost always. So that's the thing today I'm wearing. My guest for this episode is Laura Numeroff. Laura Numeroff is the acclaimed number one New York Times bestselling children's author of If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. I know a lot of you moms out there who are like me who have teenagers right now, you kind of just did a little bit like a, oh my God, I remember that book. Wasn't that a great book? Didn't you love that book? And like you read all those books in that series over and over again? Well, this is Laura. Laura is the one who wrote all those books. Uh, she is a number one New York Times bestselling author. That book was printed in 1985 and it is now in its 60th printing and beyond. The fourth book in the series, If You Take a Mouse to the Movies, was on the New York Times children's bestseller list for five months, nine weeks at number one. I am so excited to talk to Laura today. She is a wealth of knowledge for anyone who is looking to become a writer, especially in children's books. She just has a lot of information to share today. And please welcome Laura. Oh my gosh, you guys. All right. So today, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm like fangirling a little bit right now because I don't know even know when it was. Like a few months ago, I got this email and it said that it was from the author of If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. And at first I thought, oh, it's some publicist who wants me to like promote something. What is this? And I opened it up. And I start reading the email, and you guys, it was from Laura Numeroff, the author. And she was like, oh, I write your stuff, and I think you're hilarious. And I'm like, shut up. And so that oh. night at dinner, I told my kids, and I was like, hey, you guys, because my kids think I'm super lame. And so I was like, hey, you guys, do you remember like those books that we used to read when you guys were little? And they're like, of course. And I'm like, okay, because I mean, I totally got like an email today from the author. And they thought it was so cool. So thank you, Laura. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. Welcome to No Pants Required. Thank you. I am so excited. Are you wearing pants? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh but they're pajama pants. <laughs> pajama pants. Pajama pants. Uh, Those totally count. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad I got street cred for your for you for from your kids. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. Like you're like a legend. And my kids were like, I'm not even joking. Like if people see me out and like recognize me, my son always accuses me of like of it being a plant. So I had to like show him the email and I was like. Google it. Like, Google, that's her. Like, really, that's like, those are her. And she sent me pictures of her pets. And I'm like, those are her pets. Like, I got pictures of her pets. So, <laughs> so I haven't been pets? cool in the longest time. So, thank you for that. And oh. I'm so excited that you're here today. For those of you who don't know, please tell us a little bit about you and how you got started. Oh, boy. So, I grew up in Brooklyn in the 50s. And my parents were artists and um, my mom was a, a home, home ec teacher. So my house was filled with books. We had a piano. My dad and I played duets and 
went to all kinds of museums. So I was really into art and music at an early age. And of course, they read to me every night. And I read Stuart Little and Eloise became my two favorite books. And when I was eight, I started writing. I knew I, when I was eight, I knew I wanted to be a children's book author. So I started writing little stories and drawing pictures to go with them. But then when I was 15, I have two older sisters. They're 10 and 12 years older than I am. So my mother said I was her joyful little dividend. (laughs) (laughs) My sister, Emily, went to Pratt Institute to become a fashion designer. And when I was 15, I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I actually sent out clothing sketches to famous designers like Courage in France. And I got great feedback and I went to Pratt for fashion in 1971. And I hated it. Hated it. I couldn't sew. It was awful. Oh, no. So Yeah. So the year after that, I just like took classes and things that I enjoyed. Then junior year, we had uh, Pratt Institute. They had a a new program called University Without Walls. So you got a guidance counselor. You were able to take classes at other colleges. You could have apprenticeships, internships, whatever fell under your, you know, decided, what is it called? Like your major? No, major, thank you. Okay. So I picked communications. And I had an internship with a Sesame Street animator because I did love animation. I studied a lot of photography. I love photography. I had an internship at the only jazz station in New York. I had my own radio show, jazz station at school. I went, was lucky enough to spend six weeks in France in a little village studying photography, illustration, art history, and French. Wow. And then when I came back, it was my last semester. And you could go to other colleges and take credits. So I was at the Parsons. And I knew I had two credits left. So I looked through their catalog to see what was easy. And I saw writing and illustrating children's books. So I called up. No, no, wait, wait. I saw Tai Chi. (laughs) I called up my guidance counselor and I said, Jake, I'm taking Tai Chi. And he said, hold on. And he came back. He said, sorry, you need studio credits. I was like, oh, can I curse on this podcast? Can you what? Curse. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, fucking great. (laughs) So I'm looking through this and I'm going, oh, shit. Another studio credit. So I found writing and illustrating for children's books. I took the class. We had an assignment, a homework assignment to write and illustrate a children's book. So I did a book called Amy for Short. was tall and skinny, about the tallest girl in the third grade. And then I brought it into class and people seemed to like it. And at that time, I also had an illustration portfolio. So what I was able to do, this was like at the end, this was like in spring 75. I was able to make appointments with art directors at publishers and bring in my portfolio and happen to have Amy for short with me. Ah. So the first four publishers turned me down. They were, you know, they, I didn't get anything from them. Then I went to Macmillan. And the art director, Alan Benjamin, took the dummy, my book, into the editor, Libby, and they bought it. So I graduated Pratt with a major in communications and a contract for $500. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but what they did was 
they turned it into a ready to read. You know, I can read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the hardest things to write. I don't know if you know this, but I know nothing about children's books. So please tell me. Okay. So this is for the age where they can finally read, but they still want pictures. Mm -hmm. So each line has to have 35 characters, including spaces and punctuation. Oh, wow. And a certain, you can't exceed a certain number of lines per page. So it's almost like a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. And at that time, I'm not going to go into this, but at that time, illustrators had to do something called color separation. You didn't just do a color drawing. Each color had had percentages and layover overlays. And I only got one color, red. So I could do soft red, rich red, black, gray. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, and did you illustrate it too? I did. I illustrated my first nine books. Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, well, now I'll write and illustrate children's books. Yeah. So the editor that bought the book left, went to another publisher. So I sold her a book. And then I sold a book to the new editor that came into Macmillan. Basically, my first nine books were all over the place. I didn't stick to one publishing house. And then in 19, I don't remember what year it was. But anyway, I had moved to San Francisco at that point. Got fired from a shitload of part-time jobs. Hey, girl. Because I'm not an artist. <laughs> you know, I register with a temp agency, and they call you up, and they go, like, 7.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. What artist waits for the 7.30? <laughs> so they wake you up. You're going to 22 Embarcadero Street, IBM machines, blah, blah, blah. And I had to put together the least artistic-looking clothes I had, which was a, you know, a joke. Take the bus, and then you walk into an an office environment. Here you have to type these pages. So this one day I had one as an assignment for one day. I just had to type letters. So the woman left me with a stack of things to type. And it, I swear it was like, Lucy, I kept making mistakes. So I throw them in the <laughs> trash. <laughs> the trash was so filled. I'm putting them in my bag. You know? Cause these are the days like, are you on a typewriter? You're writing, you're typing these on yes. a typewriter, right? Yeah. Yes. So, so kids like, out there, listen, this is how it used to be. We used to have to do this on uh, typewriters, you know, and if you made a mistake, your whole letter yeah. was fucked and you had to start all over again. You know what this is? <laughs> no. A whiteout brush. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little whiteout. You had to do that if, if, if your boss yes. let you. <laughs> yeah, and then that stupid white paper that you typed over mm-hmm. and it chipped. Then another job, I had a three day job. At Swenson's Ice Cream, I was a receptionist. And the second day, I'm, hello, Swenson's Ice Cream, who would you like to speak with? And the person said, anybody but you, because I kept <laughs> hanging up on them. <laughs> About a minute later, the guy comes out and he goes, you don't have to come in tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so I had lots of, you know, and I've been a waitress, a receptionist. I mean, just you name it. I even did private investigation. Did you really? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a book. That's a book. (laughs) At that time, I was I was living with the drummer from Night Ranger, Kelly Kagi. Oh wow! We were struggling just as much as I was. You know, we listened to our our new to music cassettes on the answering machine because we didn't have you know any equipment (laughs) and. A you know typical we ate mostly brown rice and and sautéed cabbage right 
He dug dirt for $5 an hour. Oh my gosh. Drove old ladies around, you know, but it was, it was, I loved it. I just, it was in San Francisco, you know, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And so prior to meeting him, I had met a guy who was a private investigator and he knew that I was looking for part-time work. So he called me up because you want to do some private investigation. So the first thing I had to do was just look up, find somebody's address it was really easy. Then we had to serve somebody in prison <laughs> at, what the hell was the name of that prison? Not Alcatraz, <laughs> So I go, this is going to be really exciting. We're going to go into, into a prison. Yeah. And we went there, and I went, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> we went in. <laughs> and then, he's, then he's, he gets this job. It's this guy who's dating this young girl. And he, she has asked him for $30,000 for a kidney operation. And he thinks she's cheating on him. So Kelly and I drive from San Francisco down to Orange County, which is even further than where I live. Mm-hmm. And I was, we were driving my Dodge Omni, which was my first car. And we learned you don't follow somebody directly behind them. You stay one car behind. When you, then we pulled up and we were supposed to uh, watch her. So we pull, we sit over on the other side of the street and, you know, we're wearing baseball hats and you don't sit in the driver's seat. Oh. You just have one person sit in the back because otherwise it looks like you're waiting, you know, so oh. you just sit. So then this little petite woman comes out, you know, like really like that with her little son and we follow her and, you know, we're, all, we're doing a lot of that when she <laughs> turns her and she drops her son off. And then we lose her because she's in a two-seater Mercedes sports car. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can't keep up. <laughs> right. So then we follow her and she does go to a kidney doctor. Oh. So then that night we follow her. She's all dressed up. And we follow her to this restaurant, this huge restaurant with a gigantic parking lot in front. And it's beautiful. And I'm in shorts and a T-shirt. Like <laughs> I put lipstick on. Like that's going to help. Yeah. And I walk, You'll blend in. Walk, yeah. <laughs> That'll work. You <laughs> just have a neon light. I'm not here. I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. So as I'm as I'm going to go into the restaurant, she walks out with the guy <gasps> and uh, another guy. Oh. Back to the car. So I called my friend in San Francisco. I said, what do we do? He said, sit in the car and wait till she comes back and then follow him home. Oh, we, we, you know, we're just hanging out in the car for hours and hours. And as the evening progresses, cars are leaving the parking lot. And like, we weren't conspicuous because we were surrounded by cars. But now we're kind of, you know, again, not blending in. Buy yourself in shorts in a parking lot. They kiss. We follow him home. We Mm. get his address. And the next day. We go to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember $300, which at the time was a lot of, a lot of money. Uh-huh. Um, we well, stayed at the Thunderbird, we stayed at the Thunderbird Motel and the bed uh, went like this. Yeah. <laughs> Big old divot in the middle. Oh my gosh. So it's like, so, so she needed the money for kidneys and her boyfriend, I guess. She had both. The, I mean- Half half truth there, I guess. Wow. 
And then, yes. and then, so you were still selling, were you still selling children's books at this point too? Or you were so, kind of still trying to, like, how does it work with children's books? Like, did you have an agent in those days or you were just sort of selling directly? I was, so, I don't remember how, because basically in those days, well, first of all, it was all snail mail. Oh yeah. It take forever to get rejected. <laughs> now, now I can get... I got an email with six rejections. <laughs> now you're I, like instant. <laughs> I met the editor at a book convention. She said, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I said, yeah, I know. And that's the, so I wanted to punch her in the throat. Oh, <laughs> you're like, you rejected what? me. Big mistake. Yeah, six <laughs> times. So then Kelly's parents lived in Eugene, Oregon, and we used to drive up there all the time. And it's a beautiful drive the first couple of times, but like the <laughs> fifth time, you know, it's like, and I get really antsy and bored. And I started picturing animals eating food that I like. So uh -huh. I love Cheetos, the crunchy kind. Yes. And I always say, you know, they can put a man in the moon, but you can't disguise the fact that you just ate Cheetos because it's <laughs> on your mouth and on your fingers. Yes. And so I pictured a beautiful black and white zebra with orange around his mouth. And I love pizza. And, you know, sometimes when you pick up a piece of pizza from the pie, the cheese gets. And I said, imagine a orangutan with long arms and he's just tangled up in cheese string. Yeah. And then that was um, Mrs. Fields chocolate chip cookies were very popular. And I pictured a mouse nibbling around a cookie. Yeah. But instead of going to another animal, I just said, oh, maybe he'd want milk. And then he'd, you know, I'll bet he'll get a little mouse milk mustache, so he'd probably uh. want it. And I kept going. And by the time we got to Oregon, I had, excuse me, completed the circle story. Oh, wow. We got back to San Francisco. I had my dinky $45 typewriter from a flea market. The W was kind of wonky. Uh -huh. I typed it out and I sent it to Harper and Rowe because I wanted to be published by the publisher of Stuart Little. Okay. I got a rejection letter. Oh. Sent it out nine more times. And then I heard that the editor who rejected me had left and there was a new editor. And I always ask kids, what do you think her name was? Cookie. <laughs> <laughs> her name was Laura. Oh. So I sent it to her. And this summer that Kelly and I broke up and I was um, in, in Los Angeles, she called me and said, we want to buy the book. Wow. All, only editing she did was, I love parenthetical phrases. So it would be like, he'll ask for a napkin. Mice are very neat. Yes. We just took out the parenthetical questions. At that time, so 99% of authors don't get to choose their illustrators. That's basically an editor's job, unless you are an author illustrator. Uh -huh. And even though I was an illustrator, she just really wanted to work with, she had seen the illustrator's work and wanted to work with her. Uh-huh. So apparently my manuscript was in, have you heard of slush piles? Yes. Yes. Okay. So editors first will read a manuscript by their already published authors that they're working with, then agented manuscripts. And then there's a pile where people who aren't represented or hadn't been published, and there's somebody who goes through them, and if they find something they think that the editor might like, they 
pass it on to the editor. And uh-huh. that's how I was discovered. So when the book came out, I was doing a lot of school visits for like $50. Uh-huh. And then I'd be at a book signing when the book first came out. It'd be me and two other authors. I don't know if you've ever had this. I hate it. So if you nobody knows who you are, they get these long lines and you're yeah. sitting there. Somebody please buy my, just, just buy one book. You know, and you're sitting there. Like, <laughs> Thank you. And you engage them in conversation because you don't want them to leave. Like yes. you want to have something. Um, and that's what was happening. And so I went to a school and I read it and the teacher came over and she said, that's a really good circular story. And I said, what's, what's a circular? Like, yeah. What the fuck is a circular story? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't realize what I had written. Anyway, they didn't do any publicity. The book signings I went on, I procured. Uh-huh. And then eventually I really wanted to write a moose book. And by then, thank God, people were buying mouse. Uh-huh. So they gave me a contract for moose. And then they gave me another, a third separate contract for pig. for pig. And then I got a contract for six one contract for six books. Wow. No pressure. <laughs> and because if because Mouse came to me, yeah. I didn't realize what I was doing. Now they started to become a formula. I literally have it laid out. I know exactly how many sentences in. But it's like I started writing, you know, if you take a mouse to school, oh, well, he can do that. No, he did that in this book. Well, she can do No, they did that in this book. Right. And they became eventually like 30 drafts. Uh-huh. Yeah, because um, well that's the thing, you know, they can only do so much. Like you can't have them I don't know. And did you ever I don't know cuz I I I was looking through all your books and like I think I know well I know exactly which one. It was Pig. If you give Pig a if you give a Pig a pancake. That was the book that my kids loved. That was the one we discovered first and we just read it over and over again and then I realized there was like a whole series and I and I went and got them all. And but it was like just the train of thought, but it seems so easy, but it's not like, you know, I'm sitting there reading this and I'm just like, and my husband's always the person who's like, oh, you could do this, Jen. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, there is like, there's, this is not just a train of thought. This takes like, it's almost like poetry and I am really bad at poetry. <laughs> so I was like, no. And, and the fact that you don't repeat them, because I did today, I went and I kind of read them all again today, just to sort of like remind oh. myself. And I just read all the books today. I just read them. Yeah, I read them all. I read them. Well, I read all the ones we still had, you know, and then it was just kind of interesting because I was like, oh, you know, there was something about puppets and I was like, oh, she likes puppets. But then I realized, no, it was that aunt. You have an aunt and uncle book that if you flip it, but they're, or is it, and they do the same, they're basically doing the same thing, but it took me, I'm stupid. I'm really stupid. I was like, oh, wait, it's this. Oh, it's the same. I got it. I got it, Jen. You're very smart, Jen. <laughs> so, meh. oh, you know, my God. When, that book, out, when yeah. that book came out and I was doing book signings, people would come up with two copies one on the grandma's side and one on the yes. grand and their grandma's side, or grandma yeah. and grandpa. Right. Like, make money or tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> if you're too dumb to figure it out, Jen, you have to buy them both. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. I was like, oh, this is smart. I get it now. I understand what we're doing. See, I can't write children's book. And then, and then now, like, and then you have a parody that you've written, right? If you give a 
me a cookie. If you're giving me a cookie. Because I feel like, do you feel like, because there's so many parodies out there of what you've done, right? Like, have you ever done the research to figure it out? Some of them, there was one, I don't know if you saw, if you give a kid a cookie, will he shut the fuck up? (laughs) Whoops. I think I wrote that one. I'm sorry. (laughs) And it was written by two mothers. Yeah. But the one that upset me the most. Yeah. Have you seen if you dig the White House? I saw the cover of it, but I've never read it. I got all of these hate emails. How could oh. you do that? How could you make fun of the president? Blah, blah, blah. And I was going, and I just got so upset. And I said, first of all, do your goddamn fucking homework before you <laughs> accuse me. I had nothing to do with the book. Right. You My know? name is not on it. I didn't write this. Hello. You yes. Know. Oh man, but yeah. you did write. But you did write a parody. I did. I wrote. If you give a man a cookie. If you give and a man I a cookie. I love him. And <laughs> did you know there's a show, a mouse show on Amazon? You know what? I didn't until literally like this week when I went down my rabbit hole, and because that was one of my questions, I was going to be like, why is there no TV show? Emma, when did that come out? So. I have, so you were just going back to agents. Yeah. So I tried working with an agent and I actually, when I was writing the, the, when I was beginning writing books and I actually got an agent in a very prestigious firm that handled Hemingway's estate and she was an older woman and I was like really, very literary and I was very proud. I didn't hear from her. I didn't hear from her. Finally, I said, excuse me, can you tell me where my books have been? And she said, oh, well, basically nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) I said, give give me back my books. I tried another agent. And this was at another very prestigious, um, I think they handled Norman Mailer, Sterling Lord is the name. And they gave me an agent called Irwin. I hadn't heard from Irwin. So I emailed, well, hey, uh, hey, Irwin, what's happening with my books? Somebody else wrote me back. Oh, Erwin left the, the agency to write his own books. Well, was, oh, my gosh. It would really nice if Erwin had told me. Right? So I continued on my own. But what happened was I ended up, so agents, you as you, I don't know, do you work with an agent? I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So agents are great because, like, if I had gone with an agent, I might have had more publicity and better marketing, whatever. But as you know, they take a percentage. And so I ended up finding a lawyer who, an entertainment lawyer, and she actually handles SpongeBob and, and um, Simpsons. So she's very, and she knows a lot about the children's book market. So what I ended up doing was I would just send her my contracts. She would negotiate them, take a hefty one-time fee. Yes. And then her son, as I was, you know, getting older, her son became an animation agent and he took me on. I actually did spent two years developing with a friend of mine, a show for Disney. And then we had the typical meeting where they brought in a five-year-old producer who (laughs) thought he was hot shit. Well, we're going to make, and it was called P-Brain and Bob. There were two dogs that lived on the Venice boardwalk. We're going to make them monkeys. And the girl who lives in the building, who we had as a hippie, Willow, who was friends with the dogs, 
and she's going to be like, you know, a stripper. And, and then, then, and then they had the actor, we were having an out of work actor, you know, the yeah. actor, he's, he's a muscle man, you know, and he does action movies. I'm, I'm like uh, sitting there going, I can't believe this is happening. Right. So anyway, we tried to sell if you give a mouse, but it was hard because nobody could figure out how to do it circularly. So we had a meeting with Tom Hanks's peeps. Um, we met with the Henson sisters, and I was hoping that they were going to take it on because I loved them. We were in Henson's office. The stuff in his office was mind-boggling. Mm. And they showed me CGI animation that they did. Of, did you ever read Francis, uh, Bedtime for Francis? Yes, yes. They had done a test run of a CGI animation, and it was so sweet and perfect. They turned yeah. it down. Oh. And uh, and uh, we got a, a meeting with Amazon, met with them, the two women who I really liked. They were really down to earth. It wasn't very, you know, Hollywood at all. And they bought the show and we had a meeting at Amazon. And I said, the most important thing is that these are not pets. Right. They're just themselves. They're just characters. So sure enough, you know, I, I'm the executive producer, which means nothing, you know. <laughs> and I had always fantasized being in a recording uh, studio and, and having actors, voiceover actors come in and audition. Right. Well, that didn't happen that way, but I got to hear their tapes on um, online uh-huh. and I was able to cast my vote for my favorite voices. Good. And the guy who does mouse does moose. Oh, cute. And, you know, I got to look over the scripts and take notes. And sure enough, you know, they had the dog digging and chewing a bone and stuff like oh. that. So I had to be adamant that. So they picked up 51 episodes, 51 11-minute episodes. Wow. So that nominated for two Grammys. Wow. Emmys. Emmys. And I had to go to the Emmys. <laughs> you went to the Emmys? Yes, <laughs> daytime Emmys. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is what I wear every day. A sweatshirt and a and a graphic tee. Right. And jogging pants and sneakers. I don't I cannot remember the last time I wore a dress or a skirt or walked yeah. on heels. Yeah. And I had I was freaking out, you know, like what 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 did you wear? How did you find a dress? Did someone want to Well you should have designed it. You're like a designer. I know. You know what? I don't remember where I got the dress or what I even wore, but it was it was very stressful. And I went with my. Did you go on stage I, to accept your award? No, Did you get to go up on stage? Yeah, and, and you know the state. It's very exciting, I have to say. Yeah. Um, and I went with my young guy friend who ended up being the publisher of my book about service dogs raising a hero. Hmm. So we had a good time. You wow. know, we went out to eat it. It was it was fun, and we didn't win for best animated series, but at least the series that won, I I really like. It's called Tumble Leaf, so uh-huh. you know it's not like we lost to some shitty cartoon. <laughs> um, You're like, I appreciate it. It was okay. I was I lost yeah. to a good one. <laughs> um, oh my goodness, that's crazy. So yeah. at this point, like, how many books do you have out there now? How many? How many titles? There, I've written, I wrote and illustrated nine, mm-hmm. and total books written are 47. 47. 
Wow. A lot of them are and out of print. Are they? Yeah. Huh. You know, most because didn't Mouse go to like number one and like wasn't it like oh, a yeah, huge no. all, the books are, all the if books are 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 mouse is in its seventy-fourth printing. But yeah. most books in general, when you think about it, have to go out of print because if every single book ever written stayed in print, there'd be like no room for new books. So a lot of books yeah. go out of print. Yeah. So, I'm still pissed off about that though. Cause I feel like if you, but I feel like if you have the career that you've had, your book should not go out of print. Well, That's what I, I have one book that I did that it's called Beatrice doesn't want to. It's about a little girl that I illustrated a little girl who hates books, hates libraries and has to go to the library with her brother, Henry, cause he's babysitting <laughs> and he has to do his research on dinosaurs. And so the first day, you know, she's just sitting there like sulking and then she asks to carry books for him and they drop on her foot and she cries. And the third day it's raining. And at the time I wrote and illustrated it, I was living in San Francisco. I sat across the library and sketched it and that's the library. So the third day it's raining and she can't stay outside. She has to go into the library with him. Anyway, he throws her in a room where the librarian is reading. Alfred Mouse has a brand new house. <laughs> and she's like, like this. And then... <laughs> The librarian says, oh, and Alfred Mouse had new roller skates. And she looks and he skated through his house and she starts laughing. And at the end of the story, she says, can I see the book? She kept all the way through. She keeps going. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. And the librarian gives her the book. And the last page is Henry tapping her on the shoulder. We have to go. I don't want to. I don't want to. So it went out of print. And I took a copy with me to a book convention and I sold it to another publisher and they got my favorite illustrator, Lynn Munsinger, who did the grandma grandpa's. Yeah. They got her to illustrate it. Oh wow. And somebody just sent me a photograph of a little girl reading Beatrice, the, oh. the dog one, at at the ASPCA. Oh, so when I, I love that. I have that picture in my PowerPoint. I've been doing a lot of virtual visits. Have schools. you? Do you do a lot of school visits? Yeah. You must be super popular. Well, I, in the past, I've visited, literally gone to over 150 elementary schools and everything. So when mm -hmm. pandemic hit, I had to cancel a lot and I started doing them online. I have a PowerPoint presentation. And so I put that picture in and I say, bet that cat is thinking, why are you reading a book about a dog to me? Don't you have any books about cats? Like if you give a cat a cupcake or something? Um, <laughs> and then during the pandemic, you know, they had to cancel Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. So they sent me a picture. They decorated their house with this giant, with mouse, a giant mouse, the mouse, mouse. Yeah. And giant chocolate chip cookies. Um, you must get a lot of cool mail like that. Like people are probably very inspired by your books. I get all kinds. I get <laughs> um, some really lovely, just thank you for writing them. Like the way I, I wrote you, just thank you for all the laughs that you gave mm -hmm. me. Um, I get some that are, I have an idea. Do you want to collaborate? If you give a, you know, a donkey, a, a ding dong. <laughs> I think I said that. I think I wanted, I think I said, Hey, we should collaborate. Didn't I? <laughs> no, I would love to collaborate. <laughs> uh, but I'm very involved in kids with needs, special needs. Mm -hmm. So I sponsor a horse for therapeutic riding and it's riding for kids or adults with 
autism, uh, Downs, muscular dis, any kind of, you know, disability. And I've been getting a lot of emails about mouse from parents and teachers with kids who have um, autism Mm -hmm. and they love the repetition and the, and the circular effect. So those are the best, you know, I've had letters like one said, my son refused to eat anything, but he refused to eat, but he he ate a blueberry muffin. He wouldn't let us cut his hair Mm -hmm. and we read mouse cookie and now we, you know, and he didn't speak and they read a mouse cookie and his first word was cookie. Oh my gosh. Those are the best. That's crazy. Amazing. That's so cool. My good news. So I was asked, I got a phone call out of the email out of the blue from somebody. It's this foundation called Village Book Builders. And they built big one room libraries in Africa, Nepal and Mexico. And she asked me to read to a school in Malawi. And I read to these kids. They were so sweet, so polite, so excited. The passion that they had for me just talking to them and showing them pictures of my cat. And I did some sketching for them. I mean, at the end, I was like choked up. I'm opening a library in Malawi. (laughs) (gasps) No way. These kids. Oh my gosh. It's a big one room library with the money includes a thousand books, 10 computers, a librarian and solar lanterns because a lot of them don't have electricity. And so they go to sleep when it gets dark out. But they found when they gave them lanterns that they would read to their parents. They would stay up and read. So, yeah. So, how does, so what is the name of this organization again? Say it again. Village Book Builders. Village Book Builders. And so you partnered with them or they just gave you the idea? They're, they've had, they have, they now have 15 open. Their goal is 100. And I'm paying for one to be built. It takes them three months in Malawi. And it's for these kids that I read to. And next week I'm reading to kids in Kenya. Um, I think you might open another one then. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to do a GoFundMe. Yeah. um, But they they asked me to to be there when they open the library. But you know what? It's 28 hours on On an airplane. But I did Raising a Hero with a Kickstarter. Oh, did you? Okay. I was wondering about that. Okay. Yes, I had met Sean uh-huh. because I, my assistant is a part of a mommy's group and I needed to revamp my website and she found Sean. So this is about 10 years ago, eight years ago, and he was much younger than me. And he started, we started chatting and it turns out he had an older brother with severe cerebral palsy who had a service dog from CCI, Canine Companions for Independence. And I said, I've always wanted to write a book about therapy dogs. I didn't know the difference between therapy dogs and service dogs. Therapy dogs are for comfort and service dogs can pull a wheelchair. They can take your socks off, turn on lights, open the refrigerator. They're for people who need more independence. They're worker dogs, kind of. And they also give them to vets with PTSD uh-huh. and for deaf people. So they're called hearing dogs and they you know, bark when the phone rings, that kind of thing. Oh, wow. So we went down. They have CCI is the largest organization. They have six campuses in the United States. And we went down to the one in San Diego where um, Sean's brother got Ellie. 
And we did research. We watched puppy class. And I wrote Raising a Hero. And Sean did the Kickstarter. We raised enough money. We raised $35,000, but it's very expensive to produce a book and distribute it and everything. And we needed an illustrator and it's not my genre. So I put out, I started looking at college websites and every, everywhere. I couldn't find anybody and we really couldn't pay them much. Yeah. So Sean said, ask Lynn if she'll do it. And I said, she gets a lot of money and I don't want to ask her for a favor. You know, he said, just, just ask her the worst is she could say no. She did it for free as wow. a, like a gift. And, I love that. Um, and it's got 122 five-star reviews on Amazon. And I have met so many incredible puppy raisers and people who have CCI dogs. Yeah. So it's, been an ama- it's just, it was my passion project. So you so, do a lot of sort of, you know, volunteer philanthropic stuff. Is there yeah, anything it, else you're it, doing? You've got the horse, you've got the library, you've got the dogs. I've also written a book for breast can- about breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Phone call out of the blue from Sprint, like over 20 years ago. They said, we're doing a children, want to do something for the month of October for kids. Would you want to write a book about breast cancer? And I said, yes, I'm very honored. And I hung up and I went, first of all, thank God I don't have anybody in my family with breast cancer. And second of all, I've never done a book about a nonfiction book. Mm-hmm. So I called them back. You know, I, I hate to say this. I may not be the right person. And they said, well, we'll, we'll hook you up with a doctor who's a survivor and has written books about it. She turned out to be, oh my God, I would come home and there would be... 9,000 pieces of paper on the floor coming out of the facts. Oh my you know, gosh. Like I was question. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so what it turned out to be, I'm better in first person voice. Uh-huh. So she gave me 10 points that kids could deal with. Like mom's going to be wearing hats and wigs. You can't, it's not contagious. And so what I did was I took each point and I made it as if it was coming from a little kid that was in a group called Hope Talks. And mm-hmm. they had one at the hospital where she works. They have a kid's therapy, you know, uh, what do you call it? Group therapy. Group therapy. And mm-hmm. so it would be like, you can't catch it. My mom has breast cancer and I'm, I'm kind of worried that we're all going to catch it. But she says you can't catch it like Tommy's measles, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And then Lily, age eight. And then they got, we got David McPhail, who's another one of my favorite illustrators, to do the illustrations. And they're so cute. They have like little, mm. he has like little raccoons at the hospital. And, and one of them says, Dr. So-and-so gave us some free Band-Aids. And he has them sticking Band-Aids on the back of his brother's shirt, you know. So for the month of October, it was a paperback. I did a bunch of appearances and events. And then it went out of print. One event I did, I sat in the frozen food section of a supermarket. Hey, girl, we all been there, right? I mean, actually, I haven't. Been, I'm a little. I'm a little miffed. Nobody's invited me to the frozen food section yet, but I've been like in pool halls and whatnot. So, you know. pool halls. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've been did everywhere. They you, did they give you free beer? Oh no, I had to buy my own beer. Are you kidding? Actually, <laughs> that's, that's the worst. Yeah. No, so I'm then, all about the grassroots. So, <laughs> yeah, so then I, I actually 
gave the book to Simon and Schuster and they put it in hardcover. Very nice. And they and then I did some events at, you know, wellness centers and everything. And then it uh-huh. went out of print and I gave it to Susan Coleman. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's almost like it would be a good one to have like in hospitals to like distribute to the families. Yeah. Like like I have a friend who wrote one about NICU babies and they give it to the moms oh, like when the you know when they're going great. home kind of thing. Yeah. And then the other I think- thing I did that was really amazing. I always wanted to be somebody's make a wish, but usually it's they want athletes or go to Disneyland. But this right. little thirteen-year-old um, girl wanted to write a children's book, and um, so I mentored her, and oh, cool. she got it illustrated. And yeah, wow! So that was That's exciting. Crazy. You've had and like then, an amazing career. It's been. Yeah, I've been to the White House twice. And Have you really? Which presidents? <laughs> Bush. Okay. <laughs> well, Laura Bush was a big fan of books, so that yeah. makes sense. But somebody sent me a photograph of Michelle Obama, her mama, Michelle uh-huh. Obama's mama, and her two daughters reading If You Give a Mouse a Cookie at the White House role. At the egg roll, right? At the Easter egg roll? Yeah, yeah I saw I that. Paid money to go. Right? I mean, that was- like, I would be happy to come and sign that book for you. <laughs> yeah. Dang. So then um, before the pandemic, I used to spend Saturday afternoons with a like an 11-year-old boy with autism. And he loved the Beatles. So we'd sing all the Beatles songs. And he was very verbal. And I'd help him write stories. And then when the pandemic hit, we kind of sort of, yeah. But yeah, no, that, it, that's like my... I just love being with kids who are... Do you have kids? I never, ever wanted them, even as a child. I love kids. I love them. I love being around them. But I never had that maternal instinct. Uh huh. I always felt that I would have somebody in my life, but not be... And I didn't have um, any fantasies of a wedding dress or a wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, you but just people love kids and you love to send them home. <laughs> yes. They go, you know, how can you write children's books if you don't have children? It's like, well, well you know, I'm basically childlike myself and, <laughs> and it's clean. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh my goodness. But you have a lot of you have pets. I've seen your pets. I've seen I Henry, the cat, but just... I have to ask you how you came up with the name Plum. Oh, for, oh, for my lame life. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about that, that you read that book? That's crazy. I think you're one of like 200 people that's read that book. So yeah. So Laura read, um, she read my lame life, which, you know, if you guys haven't read that yet, that was my first foray into young adult books. Maybe this will help help spike sales. Yes. Right. Yes. Laura liked it. So you guys should love it. You're a Ben Man fan. You have to read it. You, it, I loved it. Thank you. I love was, another book. Yeah, there's a second one written. I just haven't, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I, I'm, I, I wasn't feeling it. But no, so I wrote that book for my daughter back in the day. She did not want anything with death, drugs, or dragons. And so, which a lot of YA, which those are my favorite YA books, but that's what she didn't want to read. And I wanted to write something funny. And so I wrote it. But Plum is actually a name that, she came up with, which um, I have a good friend. I have a good friend who has a mother-in-law named Plum, 
and I think I must have mentioned it. Like I talk about this friend a lot and I think I must have mentioned it at some point because it got stuck in my daughter's head. And she drew this picture of this little girl and I was like, who's this? And she's like, this is Plum. And I was like, Plum, I kind of like that name. And and then I just, and then I like alliteration. So I was sort of like Plum Parish, you know? And and so, and then, and then I'm looking across, I have a I have a shelf over here where I put like really cool stuff that people give me. And I had a young teenage girl like send me a picture that she drew of Plum Parish once too. And oh, with her pink oh. hair and stuff. But I, you um, have pardon? You have it right there. You have it right there. Do I have, I don't have my lame life back That's here. Right. No. The drawing? the drawing is oh, over oh. there. I don't know if I, I, it's all the way over on the other side, but I'll, sh- I'll show it to you. I'll send you a photo of it. I'll put a picture in the, I'll put a picture on the, in the, in the notes. Isn't that what podcasters say? Like I'll put a picture in the notes when we're done here. I'll put it up so you guys can see the, yeah. the picture that she drew. And so there's actually, there's, are you familiar with Plum Sykes? No. She was a lot for, I think like Mademoiselle or 17. She's British. Oh and then yeah. Which, what, the PAX? Yeah, where did PAX come from? PAX came from, I just kind of wanted something that was like weird. I, I've always liked weird names and I keep uh-huh. a book. I, I don't see it right now, but I usually keep a book on my desk because anytime I write, I change everybody's names. The only name that's real in all of my books is, you know, in my nonfiction books is me. Like everybody else has right. a fake name. And I use right. a baby name book that I bought <laughs> That I bought when I was probably 13 years old. I went to Walden Books and I bought, yes, yeah, see? And I bought like, I bought this baby name book because I'd, I'd, I'd read an, I'd read an interview. I'd wanted to be an author since I was five and I'd read some interview. Oh, wow. And so I'd read some interview with some author and she talked about how she got her name, her character names out of baby books because otherwise she'd like keep repeating names that, or she'd use names right. of her friends or whatever. And so I went to Walden Books at like 12 and bought this baby name book. And the cashier looked at me like I was insane. But I was just like, it's fine. And so I've just kept it on my desk. And so, and again, because I knew they were twins and I wanted him to have a P name too. And so I was just kind of thumbing through it. And I was like, Pax, that's kind of, and it's like peace, but he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> but, but like he gets nicer in the next book. I promise he's nicer, but he just is kind of a jerk. And Are you doing um, a second Are you doing a second they're really, it's really written. I, I had it done. So the book was done. The second book was done because what happened was, was that first book I was, I had a different agent back in the day and I had sent it to him and he took forever, like getting me, getting back to me on it. And he just was like, he just was like dragging his feet. And, and then finally he came back and said, there's really nothing there. I just don't think it's that great. And he just, but like nothing constructive, like nothing to fix, you know, he just yeah. was like, Meh. <laughs> so, oh. which is always the best feedback you can get, you know, you're just like, cool. So I guess I'll just scrap it. And, and oh. I literally went to the school, like right after that to pick up my daughter and she asked me about it. She, and, and she was like, Hey, did you ever hear back from your agent about my lame life? And I was like, Oh, actually I just did. He just like broke my heart. Like he just told me it sucked. So yeah. And, and she was just like, Oh, well, it's a good thing. You know how to self-publish. So you should just self-publish it. And I was like, I think you're right. And so I hired an editor and I self-published it, but it's kind of hard when my audience, that's not my audience, you know? And so it just, and so now I have new agents 
and they've read, and I was, I was working on the second book at that point. And I was just going to self-publish the second book and just be like, just have it be the whole series, just be self-published. And then, but then I started working on midlife bites, that book, that opportunity came up and I needed to get that book done. And so my agent has read the second book and she has good notes on it. And I'm just, I'm, I just have been lazy and haven't gotten to it. Cause it just, yeah, no. it just didn't, I mean, it's one of those things where the people who read it like it, but I just can't find the audience for it. You know what cracked me up when the father says, Oh, Pax is an idiot. <laughs> 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 Calling your son an idiot. <laughs> Love that. Well, and I think the parents, I think that's the other thing. I think if you have, yeah, if you've read people, I want to punch in the throat. I mean, it is very people. I want to put the family is very people. I punch throat. And I think somebody, yeah. people who know me, like, well, like my husband read it and he came back and he was like, this is more autobiographical than your memoirs. And I was like, I know. I was like, if people knew that we like talk to our kids like this, like, it would be horrible. Yeah, no. My assistant always telling me, God, Clem is such an asshole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, and I think sometimes you have to tell your kid that he's an idiot. Like, otherwise, if you're not going to tell him, who's going to tell him? So you got to tell him. And now my kids, and I think that's the thing, like, I, in those days, they were in elementary school and I have so many good, like, middle school era stories. And that's the other reason why I started writing fiction, because I thought, they'll be embarrassed if I make it a nonfiction book because their friends are at the point now where they read this stuff. But I was like, but if I just kind of slide it into like these these fiction books. So the middle school stories that you have, are they yours or theirs? Well, that's just it. Yeah. They're really more theirs. They're theirs to tell. And so I try to keep it separate or just, or things I know, you know, I know things that their friends have done that I can't talk about yet. Oh, <laughs> everybody already thinks I'm the I'm a rat, so I got to keep it to myself for a while until they're all out of college or something, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that. Well, I mostly read memoirs. Mm-hmm. Like, probably eighty eighty percent of what I read are memoirs, but I it must be obviously it's so different from what I write because there are no mouse mice eating cookies in you know, but it must be really there must be a fine line balance talking about something that's, you know, like your sister's going to read or your mom or something. Yeah. Like I've always said that only three people get veto power and that's my two kids and my husband. Everybody else should have been, what is it? Anne Lamott has a great quote. You know, if you wanted me to be, I I always butcher it, but it's something about if you wanted me to be nicer, if you wanted me to write nicer things about you, you should have been nicer to me. And so, And I always kind of go back to Anne. She has, she always has, I keep her, you know, her advice in my head at all times. But um, yeah, I think it's, I think, well, even like when I wrote Midlife Bites, my, I throw my mom under the bus a lot, like in my other books and my people on Punch and Throat books, my mom's always been a very good sport, but like Midlife Bites like pissed her off. Like she came back and was like, I have, I have issues. And I was like, "Mm, put it in writing and send it to me. (laughs) Like, we can talk about that later. But or if someone says, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm Susan. I'm like, well, Susan's an asshole. Are you an asshole? I'm confused. Like, what makes you think you're Susan? So it just, you know, but I walk a fine line. But I I feel like, yeah, you should have been nicer. (laughs) I want to hear some good book signing stories. Oh man, I don't know if I so I have I have like I feel like I always I am always irritating men. 
men are always getting mad at me. Like I'll be invited to like a corporate thing. And so it'll be like predominantly men in the room. And there will always be some guy in the back pacing and just kind of like, you know, <laughs> just, and a few years ago I did an event and with, it was a uh, chamber of commerce and, and they had me in because I wrote a book called working with people. I want to punch in the throat. And so I was supposed to talk about, you know, last week. <laughs> you know, humor in the workplace or whatever, and all the shitty jobs I had. And he just yeah. kept, you know, and the thing is though, like when it's over, I always get like all the women who are just like, oh my God, you know, right. thank you for coming. Like this was a, this was great. We laughed, you know, we felt like, you know, like we actually had someone who talked to us kind of thing. And so I had this whole long line of women waiting and he came up and he was like, what's your little book about? And I was like, oh, well, my... <laughs> And I was like, well, my New York Times bestselling book is about, you know, and I was like, why don't you, I said, go ahead and take a look at it. I said, if you'd listened, I told y'all what my books were about. And, and so he was like, can I look at it before I even decide if I want to buy it? And I'm like, of course, you know, I'm like, just don't break the spine. And so he's like thumbing through my book. And there was a line in the working book about um, mansplaining. And he said, I don't think you know what mansplaining is. And like, he's like, I'll tell you what mansplaining is. And like the whole like line of women just kind of went like, you know, like record scratch, you know, and they all just, and some woman was like, did you just say that out loud? Like, (laughs) she's like, what is wrong with you? And so, and so he put my little book back and he decided not to buy it. Well, I actually said to him, cause he was like, I don't know about this book. And I'm like, actually I do. I'm like, why don't you go ahead and put it back? Cause it's not for you and you're blocking my table. So just go ahead and keep it. Pardon? Not for you. And oh, I said, it's not for you. Go ahead and put it back and just move on. You're blocking my table. And oh, you're blocking my table. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was just like, keep moving, sir. And so, yeah. So it's just, you know, every now and again, someone will huff out. Um, I had another woman a few years ago that she was incredibly drunk and she, she, oh my God. like she, well, see, that's the thing when you do, when you write for adults, you know, there's a lot of alcohol flowing at my events. And so you, know, really? you get some hecklers. <laughs> so. So I she kind of heckled me for a bit. And again, it was like another sort of business, like, a business had brought me in. And when it's a business, I always feel torn. I feel like I can't really be a hundred percent myself. Like, like if it's just a regular old book sign, you know, if we're in the, in a bar at a regular old book sign at one of my book signs, like, I'll tell you to get the fuck out. But like when a corporate event has like paid me to be there and, you know, and so I just, and so I'm kind of waiting for like them to take charge and they're not. And so I'm just sort of listening to her harass me and I'm like, yeah, why? Okay. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Please next. Anyone else have any questions? <laughs> but yeah, what about you? What do you get? Oh, I get some. I get some really cute ones. I got one little boy as I was signing. You're ruining my book. <laughs> and then the biggest thing is, kids are told not to write in their books, right? You know, and then you're uh, doing it. But that. But I think I mentioned in my email the thing that. Always kill. Well, actually, I was at a Barnes and Noble in some city, and there's like a sofa over, like over there, and there's a guy sitting there just watching me. And the people from the store came over and they said, "We're going to escort you out the back way because he's going to follow you, yeah, and and just not leave you alone." But 
I was at a school, the principal brought in, I like signing different books for the same book for different people. Uh-huh. But if somebody buys six books for, you know, Sally, I have to come up with different, as you probably, yeah, yeah. have to come up with different So this principal comes in, I'm, you know, it's exhausting talking to kids. And it's the end of my day and this principal comes in and he hands me a list of Psalms. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Like four or five line Psalms that he wants me to write in the books. Like from the Bible? Yes, from the Bible. And I'm just like, <laughs> I just want to leave, you oh. know. And then I get people who come over, you know, the, the adults come over at the end. So I want to write, how do you get, you know, can I have your publisher's information or, you know, do you have an agent? And you're just like exhausted. You just want to go back to the hotel. <laughs> but my favorite hotel, Harper's book tours were, you know, they have money. So I, it was first class and the, my favorite hotel in the world is the Adolphus Hotel in Dallas. And I love staying there. But, you know, for the longest time I was staying at motels and other people's houses and, yeah. you know, but, but very budget. So I finally got to the point where years later and many book signings later, yeah. it was, you know, and so the Adolphus, no, I'm not a foodie. I eat McDonald's <laughs> and I've, <laughs> I've been eating or it's not in the room. Himalayan salt, lesser evil popcorn for dinner for the last week. Oh, hey, girl. <laughs> and not an orange soda. <laughs> I am not a foodie at all. And I do eat McDonald's. But the French room is a five-star hotel. But I just love the ambience. It's beautiful. It's magnificent. I love old world charm. And the hotel is just beautiful. And I had the same waitress every time I went. It was just a really, I knew the maitre d'. It was a really nice experience. And so one book signing, I'm staying there with the publicist. And I never sign in cities. I always sign in the outskirts uh-huh. and suburbs. Like, so we go, we're doing our signing. It's getting later. We have reservations for the French room. Right. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm signing, I'm signing, I'm signing. It's getting later. And I look at Cindy and I go, we're not going to go to the French room tonight, are we? Mm-hmm. And said, no. But the chefs said he would prepare something for you to eat and have it sent to your room. What? Like, no, I don't. I'd rather have a cheeseburger for room <laughs> service. <laughs> and then I was asked to come to Dallas. There was a priest. My books are printed in Spanish. So Mi Escuelita is a little Spanish school. And they invited me to stay. And they actually had enough money to put me up at the Adolphus. Wow. And I asked if I could go to the French room. They said, yes, yes. So really nice young girl on the phone. She picks me up at the airport. She's driving me to the Adolphus. I said, did you get reservation? She said, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot. So I'm going, it's okay. (laughs) I wanted to punch her in the throat. You're like diva mode activated. So we get there and I go, it's like quarter to six. I go running up to Jim, the maitre d'. Hi, I'm back. Can you seat us? Can can you seat us? He goes, if you can be in the room at six o'clock. On the dot. So I tell this woman and the other woman, you have to be there at six o'clock on the dot. So I get there at five of six, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and they're late. (sighs) And so so they finally show up and we have to like, you know, scarf the food down. But Oh my gosh. That's the only time. Oh, and then, so the, I love, like, I love the plaza and all the old hotels, the Fairmont. 
so they sent me to Adolphus on another signing, and it's got like a gazillion rooms. And so this young bellboy, I usually take up my own luggage. I don't like belt, but I don't know why he was showing me something. He goes, we have you in a very special room. He goes, you're going to die. He goes, this room is, um, he goes, oh my God, wait till you see this. He opens the door. It's all modern zebra print rugs on the floor, a pool table, neon. <laughs> it's like if I was 21 and I was in a sorority or, you know, I like right. fat boys. I said, I hate this. I said, what I feel like such this? an old part. I'm like an old person, you know? <laughs> Give me the chintz. There's the oh chintz. Oh, gosh. So he called down, and they actually, thank God they had another my, spot whatever, for you. My kind of. See, and I listen to stories like this, and I just think like hashtag author goals. Like, I remember like a few years ago, like t- talking to an author, another friend of mine who's like super successful like you, and, and she was saying stuff about how the the industry has changed and she's like, you know, and now they won't let me fly first class anymore. And she's like, don't you hate that? And I was like, I pay for Southwest myself. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, I was going to tell you, so, you know, you say you hate the people that come up and tell you that they have an idea and ask for your publicist <laughs> info. Well, no. So I was going to say, so Abrams actually, like I have Abrams to think for my career because I went, I was invited to a Jeff Kinney book signing. He wrote The Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And I was invited back in the days when I was a blogger. And I had self-published my first book. And it was doing really well on Amazon. And I never get invited to kid stuff. But I did. And my kids were huge fans. And so we went. And my husband, as we got there, my husband pulled my self-published book out of his coat and was like, hey, Jeff, where's your publicist? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, this I was like, don't do that. And he was like, oh, I'm doing it. And he like got up there and he told this guy, he was like, yeah, my wife's like kicking ass on Amazon and taking names. And and he was like, she's got more books in her. If you want them, let us know. You know, hook us up, like let us know. And then he just like peaced out. And I'm just standing there like, hi. <laughs> Wait, but was, it, was this Jason? I don't know who it was. I have to go back through my emails and see who it was huh? because he- because he was actually really nice. I mean, he was sort of like, what, who are you? What are you doing? And there were other like mom bloggers there. And he was like, what is the name of your book? And I was like, people I want to punch in the throat. And this other woman was like, oh my God, I love you. And I was like, thank you. Appreciate that. And he was like, what is happening right now? And then about, I don't know, like two weeks later, I called them because my husband's like, call them and follow up. And I'm like, oh, I think they hated it. They would have called me. And he's like, not necessarily. But Jeff was going on this big um, bus tour and they had kicked it off here in Kansas City. And so when I called, they said, well, I'll be honest with you, every night we, the bus driver threw everything out, everything that was on the bus, he threw it out. And I was like, my children drew pictures for Jeff Kenny. You threw those out? And he was like, yes. And I was yeah, so they threw out everything. And he's like, we, I'm pretty sure we threw out your book. And I was like, okay. And he's like, but I feel bad. He's like, I'll make it up to you. If you send it to me, I promise someone will read it and get back to you. And then they did. They called me and they said they wanted, and they said they were interested in it. And the lady said, the editor I spoke to, she said, but, you know, because I was so green and naive that I was like, how much do you, like, how much is it worth? Like, what will you give me? <laughs> you know? yeah, and yeah. she was like, you should get an agent. And I was like, do you have one? Can you recommend one? And she was like, no, but you should go find yeah. an agent. And so then I found an agent. And then in the end, Abrams did not get it together and they never made me an offer. But, you know, I think 
I can't even remember anymore. Six or seven other publishers did, and I picked, I chose, but like six or seven, I think, like been wow. on the first on the first people I want to punch in the throat book, and so I chose. Who did you end up going? I with? ended up with Valentine at Penguin Random House, oh, yeah. and I've been there ever since. So that's a good one. Yeah. So yeah, but it just it was the weird. But I was that person, and I was telling my, I was like, oh, "You don't do this." I'm like, "This is bad etiquette," and you know, and I'm like, "We never do this. You're not allowed." And he was like, "Stand back." He's like, "Watch me work." <laughs> so, oh, but yeah. So I am that person. So I'm sure Jeff Kinney, like, he's probably on a podcast somewhere, like talking about me and how awful I was. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming he even remembers, but you know what I mean. <laughs> when was this? That would have been in like 2011, probably. Because I think Jason Wells was is his publisher. That's him, Jason Wells. Remember yeah. the last name? Yes, I did the book tour with. Oh, okay. <laughs> see, now we just told our own circular story. Look at us. Yes. Boom. But he did one thing that really, I, I mean, it was very upsetting to me. He booked me. He, um, I always look at the book tour, you know, schedule. Because mm-hmm. I like to make sure I have enough time. I, I personally, when I do book signings, I like to get there at least 45 minutes to a half hour early, get the lay of the land, mm-hmm. meet the store managers, make sure, you know, they have this or that, you know, just like not, not like diva like, but just to make sure it's going to go smoothly. Professional. Uh, yeah. And so he had me booked at a Barnes and Noble and then we had to take a ferry to an island that had a small, charming independent bookstore. Well, the turnout at Barnes & Noble was running so long yeah. that we had to stop. And there are people waiting to get their books signed. There's nothing I hate worse. I will stay oh. till two days straight and sign everybody's books. Yeah. We got the next one late. And it was, you know, they were so it was such a charming little place. And it was just, yeah, that made me feel... Yeah, yeah I was, no, that would be, I would feel terrible if I had to do that. Luckily, only 10 people me. come to my book signing, so I get them all signed, no problem. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, a friend of mine, uh, or an old, ex- old friend of mine, owns a children's bookstore in Tustin, or uh-huh. mine, whatever, and she has had a celebrity children's book author. Who I, I will send you the name in an email. <laughs> and um, there were people waiting online. And she got up and she said, I have to leave. And she just left people hanging. Wow. That's upsetting. Like, I would, yeah. And so now do you sort of stipulate, like, if you would see that you were booked back to back like that, you'd be like, I need some more time. I'm going to need more time. Yeah. I haven't been on a book tour. The only book tour I've been on lately was Sean set up a bit of a book tour up north. Mm-hmm. And then where the main campus for CCI is, mm-hmm. that was the most amazing book signing I, I had because all there were all CCI people. Right. So they were either raisers or they, they were volunteers or they were trainers. Yeah. And Charles Schultz, it's the Charles Schultz campus. Oh, cool. Um, and his wife, Jeannie Schultz, came to the signing. Wow. So, That's yeah, neat. that was... So are you work? What are you working on right now? Then what do you what do you got in the pipeline? So I know you'll appreciate this. So people have always asking me. I made friends with this mother who has twins, and one of the girls has a CCI dog. And they're down in Temecula, which is about two hours. And she said, "How come you don't write a book about a therapy about therapeutic writing?" 
And so I did. And I wrote it from a brother's point of view. My 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 brother Max has, you know, is in a wheelchair, but he he has therapeutic writing and blah blah blah. So I sent it to an editor. I don't know why I chose her. And um she loved it. And she said, I think it would be better if it's from the boy's point of view, which I thought was great because I love first person. Mm-hmm. So I completely and it was very easy to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So my name is my name is Henry, and you know I have to use a wheelchair, but my sister put dinosaur stickers all over it, so it's kind of cool, you know. And it just talks a little bit about going. It's it's the day of, and he goes and <clears throat> talks about how exciting it is to be able to be in a different setting than a therapeutic office, and his and he talks about his dog and the other dogs, and and then on the way home we always get ice cream and just. A very sweet, lovely story. Yeah, I didn't. Hear her, I didn't hear from her. I didn't hear from. Her. In the meantime, I started looking for illustrators, and I fell in love with this guy, Adam Gustafson, phenomenal. And I just asked him if this gets published, would you be interested? And he said yes. And he said he's actually done books with Christie. Mm. Yeah. So I finally emailed her back, and I. She said, "I'm so sorry. My schedule has just been." crazy because she moved play publishing houses and she said if you want to send it to me later you know i'd be happy to read it again so in the meantime i got it turned down by another four publishers including scholastic and my publisher so i thought i would get an agent Mm -hmm. because i also have a couple of other books that i haven't been able to sell and she actually took it to an editor who does volunteer work at a therapeutic writing um, center. Neat. But she felt there wasn't a big uh, enough of an audience and she wanted me to do something else with horses. So mm-hmm. I will, you know what I'm thinking? I'll tell you this in an email, just in case you never know who's listening. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm working on a horse book. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, not having a lot of luck. I'm not good. I, I have to. I'm not good at having somebody suggest something. Um, most right. of my most of my books come organically. <clears throat> I am the same exact way. That's why I've never done like yeah. freelance or anything. I can't. I don't know how. It yeah, has to be um, my idea. But we're both so lucky that we came up with something that was popular that people want to read more of. Yes. Yes. Thank goodness. Otherwise, I'd have nothing. <laughs> so so no. I've got it. A punch in the throat. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm excited to see what you're punch working on and what you're doing next. If you punch your teacher in the throat, <laughs> we'll get in trouble for that one. We won't. We won't be able to do that one. Because even like even like adults like like the when the working book first came out when working with people on punch the throat came out and people were like sharing pictures on social media. Like I heard from several people that got called into HR. So it's like, they're like, I feel threatened. <laughs> so like, guys, it's a joke. How about, but- how about if you punch your dentist in the throat? Yeah, I maybe mean, dentists. Tro- we got to punch like up a- somebody a- that like, somebody in power, you know, you punch right. the kid in the but, but I see it as a children's book with illustrations. Yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. Can we do punch in the throat for children though? Will people be upset with that? Punch them in the nose. Yeah. Bop them. Yes. It's got to be something. It's, it can't be so violent. 
wait, wait. If you punch yeah. a bully in the nose. Oh, there we go. There we go. Now we're on to something. You heard it here first because that's our idea. Don't steal it. It's our idea. We said it here first. If you steal it, I will come after you. <laughs> and so will I. And I, I take kickboxing. There you go. She takes, and she has, she's got lawyers. She's got people. She's got all kinds of stuff. I got nothing. So, oh my goodness. Well, Laura, we have just spent our whole time here, but I so appreciate you doing this. This was so much fun. And I'm so glad because I was supposed to go to LA a couple weeks ago and that got canceled. And I was going to just, I wasn't going to show up at your door, but I was going to like, be like, Hey, let's hang out. Yes, room. Well, now I know. So I'll be back. I'll be back. We just, is it canceled or postponed? It's just, it's, it was canceled, but I mean, we'll figure something out. I'll be out there for some reason at some point, but yeah, I was, I, my, my, I just, my life got in the way and I couldn't make it out there. So oh. now I'm calming down again. So hopefully I'll pool. get out there. You do. Oh, you're just making this too enticing. I'll be there next month. <laughs> Seriously. I'll just make a trip so we can work on our book. I'll, I'll have to come so we can work on our book. See? Yes. Yeah. All right. It's well, thank you, Laura. It's oh, Laura, cool. where can everybody find you? Are you on social media and stuff or what, yes, what are you I'm doing? On I'm on Twitter, although nobody seems to know anymore. I just haven't been. Nobody's responding to my tweets. Mm. I still get, still get tweet, tweeted and yeah. liked or whatever. But, and I have a website, which it's lauranumeroff.com. Okay. And please, if you have any children in your life, you've got to get her books. They're just, they're, I've only saved a few authors' books from my children's childhood. I gave tons and tons away, but I saved, I saved these. And so that's why I was so excited when you emailed me. I was like, oh my God. So this was so fun. I'm so glad that we connected and I look forward to being besties. And thank you again for coming on. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And I'm going to send you an email with some juicy tidbits. Okay. I'm excited. Ha ha, you guys, you won't get to know what she's telling me. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the No Pants Required with Jen Man podcast. Don't forget to follow me on social media and subscribe to my newsletter at jenmanwrites.com. My newest book, Midlife Bites, Anyone Else Falling Apart or Is It Just Me?, is available now everywhere books are sold. I'm also getting ready to put on some pants and leave my house. I'm headed out on book tours starting in April. So check my website, genmanwrites.com for details. I'm adding new dates all the time, so keep checking back. And the best way to find out is to subscribe to my newsletter. I'll see you on the road. Bye. Bye.